0: How you spend your days is how you spend your life. So it's really about finding these like small joyful moments in every bit of what you do.
1: Hello, thank you so much for tuning into the Active Ingredient Podcast. I am your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person on my own personal journey of self-discovery and personal growth. This is a podcast all about the journey and figuring out what makes us come alive and prioritizing whatever that is every single day. When I started the podcast over two years ago, I thought that I would get the answers externally and the more conversations I had and the more work that I did on myself, the more I realized that every single answer and all of the truths lie within and in the silence. I know that may sound a bit overwhelming, which is why my mission is to have candid conversations with relatable humans who I feel have truly come alive and get really clear about how they've come home to themselves, as well as share my own discoveries along the way. Welcome to Active Ingredient. My biggest wish for you is that you feel alive and that you tap into your Active Ingredient every single day. Hello, welcome back to Active Ingredient. Thank you so, so much for being here. For anyone that has recently rated and reviewed the podcast, given us five stars, I really, really, really appreciate it. I've been seeing the numbers go up and it's really cool to see. And I just wanted to say thank you for those who have done it. And if you haven't done it yet, it really takes two seconds. If you can just give us a five star, it really helps bring the podcast algorithm to our favor and get the podcast in front of other like-minded listeners, like our active ingredient community, which by the way, you guys, like I am obsessed with the active ingredient community. A few of you have been reaching out to me on DM and like over the years, you know, people have reached out about a specific episode or about the podcast in general and I've been talking to more of you lately. Like I've been speaking on DM or voice noting with some of you, or I literally was on a zoom today with one of our listeners and every single person that I've met in our community is just someone that I genuinely want to be friends with and have remained in contact with because I just feel like our community is a community of people that are, we're, we're curious. Like we love to grow and we're down to earth and funny. And like, just, I just love our community so much. I want to find a way that we can either get together in person or just communicate more. And I, I was searching online. I came across this app called Geneva, G-E-N-E-V-A, and they make it easier for podcasts to connect with their listeners. So I downloaded it. I'm going to put the link in the show notes here and see if that works. If we can like all communicate there. Cause it's, it's also like not just about me communi- communicating with you directly. It's also like I want everyone within. Our listenership to also communicate with each other because, like, man, I really just love every single person. And I think that everyone would vibe with each other. So let's try it out. Geneva is absolutely not sponsoring the show. I just literally researched a few ways that we can do this, and that one came up. I'm also planning a few live events in Miami and in New York. So keep an eye out for that. So, with all of that said, the guest of the show this week is the founder of a brand that I pretty much consume daily. I genuinely am obsessed with this brand. It has made my decision to drink less so much easier. It has made it so much more enjoyable. So we have Melanie Mazarin on the show, who is the founder of Gia, which is an insanely delicious non-alcoholic beverage that's inspired by the Mediterranean and her grandmother, which if you guys know me or have followed me for even a second, you know that I am obsessed with my grandmother. So, you know, her whole inspiration really, really resonates with me. Again, this is not sponsored by Gia. I just genuinely love this product. I needed to have the founder on the show because I, again, I genuinely, genuinely use this product. I said it in the show, but I literally brought Gia with me on my friend's bachelorette in the Dominican Republic. I smuggled, okay, Gia into the Dominican Republic because I just, I don't know about you guys. And like, I know that like this sober curious movement has definitely taken off, but like I, the clock struck 30 and all of a sudden like two Negronis were really making me feel bad the next day. And I just have decided to drink less. And so having alternatives because I still like to socialize. I like to go out to restaurants. I like to go out and having something that feels like a brand that feels like me and also tastes delicious. And I feel like I don't feel left out because I'm not drinking. It's just so freaking nice. And I genuinely love it. Oh, also, if you've never tried it, just so you know, like I equate it to kind of like an Aperol spritz. And every time I like the cans, every time that I open the can, it's just like that sound sounds so refreshing. I put it in a wine glass or in like a beautiful kind of like Negroni glass and have myself a guia, And it's genuinely... So good. Anyway, enough about me and my relationship to Gia, which is clearly like uh, an obsession. The guest, Melanie, she is truly a force in the branding world. Prior to launching Gia, she worked at Dig In, which is now called Dig. She worked at American Eagle and she was also the head of retail and offline experiences at Glossier, which was an insane role. She really took Glossier to another level. She also consulted a bit before starting Gia. So Melanie and Gia, among a few other non-alcoholic brands, are really the ones that are pioneering the non-alcoholic movement and are working on making it easier for those who want to still enjoy, be social, like you can have a really fun life, a really vibrant life, and don't want to drink, which is literally me. Like I'm raising my hand as I'm recording this intro. Like that is who I am. Like I'm not saying I never drink, but like I rarely drink. On this episode, we get into Melanie's relationship with alcohol, why her stomach issues were a big part of the reason that she stopped drinking, her career journey, and how all of her past interests led her to fusing them all together with Gia, her vision for the non-alcoholic space, and why a life with less alcohol or no alcohol is a life of presence, abundance, joy. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with drinking. It's just... I have personally found that this works way more for me. Also, if you guys want to hear more about that on a solo, let me know. So with all of that, Melanie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for creating a brand like Gia. I sound like literally the biggest fangirl, but it's just the truth. I love it. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on the Active Ingredient Podcast. I can't tell you how excited I am to hear about your journey and your story because I genuinely am such a fan of your product. Like I really, really am. I was telling you before we started, I smuggled your product into the Dominican Republic. So I am so excited. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and for the really kind words. Yeah. So I kick off every single podcast asking the guests what they were like as a kid that they remember. I don't know if you remember your childlike qualities or if, you know, your family members, I know you were really close with your grandmother. Like people tell you what you were like as a kid. And if you find that those qualities are in your personality right now. I think as a kid, I was hyper energetic, which I still am today. And I was extremely curious.
0: Like I wanted to know everything. I wanted to be in all the conversations with the adults. I wanted to have answers, detailed answers to all of my questions of which there were many and, uh, and I think maybe I've chilled out a little bit now, but I'm still someone who really wants to like discover the world and, and learn a lot. But I think those were maybe the two main qualities, like insatiable.
1: Oh, I love that word. Insatiable curiosity, I think is the common denominator of the best entrepreneurs of our time or of all time. Actually, I think that that curiosity is what takes you extremely far. I'm curious though, because your career trajectory is just so incredible have you had that level of that or like being able to tap into that level of curiosity throughout your entire life? Or did you find that at different points in your life, you were maybe not so aware or attached to those childlike qualities and then you found found your way back to them or they've always been there? I think they've
0: pretty much always been there. They maybe were a little bit tamed when I was in like middle school and high school, which was I think that the the French system is so different from here. It's like you go to school and you go home. And I was doing a lot of ballet to quench my thirst for adventure. Then, but then when I moved to the US for college, that was like just so incredible. You know, I went to Brown. It was like a liberal arts school. It was so different. It was like you can take any class you want. You can learn about any subject you want. And I ended up majoring in economics but taking a lot of like architecture and visual arts classes and I was working for like the school cafeteria and you know that had 10 different restaurants and I was just like there was so much to do and so much to see and I was so busy all the time like I remember being always so tired because I would like, work until 2 a.m and then like work at the big shop at 6 30 and then you know like take like all the classes that I could and studio hours and it was just like super amazing so I think after that, you know, it sort of transitioned into my professional life and discovering New York and all of that. But I think college was really where I peaked.
1: The reason I asked the question is that I sometimes find that like, like in middle school, high school, when you're in such like regimented life, everything is so pre-planned for you. Like you have kind of just like the way of going about things that people in the past have done that it kind of mutes these qualities that are our unique differentiators that are the things that help us figure out what our secret sauce is in life. What are your thoughts on that? Like, does that ring true for you? Is that something, I don't know if you plan on having kids, but like, is that something that you think about like on next generations, how we can cultivate more of that uniqueness in this life versus just cookie cutter going about things and muting our uniqueness?
0: For sure. I mean, I hated high school. I was so miserable. I really felt like there was nothing that was I was finally starting to form as an adult and nothing was within my control. And I think that's part of the reason like that's ultimately how I ended up in the United States is I was just so dying to learn and like expand my horizons. And so I found out about Brown like on the Internet and I just applied, (laughs) you know, it was like not something that people like in small towns outside of Lyon did. But it was I was so frustrated with school. I, I you know, I was in an international school when I was younger. And then when I moved to my high school, I remember like they wouldn't let me take even all the languages that I had learned. So I completely lost my German. And, you know, they had like a really kind of like low level of like Spanish. And they were like, no, you have to take like Latin or Greek. And I was like, this is just for reading ancient texts. I'm not going to suddenly pick up these languages and not continue learning Spanish. And I was so frustrated with a very Catholic school. And I was so frustrated with just like the narrow mindedness. And I feel like I was constantly rebelling. Like I had really good grades and I was constantly getting kicked out of school. And so that's when, you know, I think I decided like I wanted to study in a different way. The French system didn't
1: work for me. I also went to a Catholic school here in Miami, super extremely regimented. And I also just felt like it was not And I don't know if this is how I feel about like the system in general for everything. It just, I I don't think that it lets uniqueness come to the forefront. It makes it go to sleep. And the journey of active ingredient or like the, the, what I've seen be the path for all the incredible people that I've interviewed on the show is a coming home, like a coming back to what you were before you were silenced or kind of like put into a system that made you be cookie cutter. And then you kind of just remember who you actually are. For sure. It's exactly what it is. You know,
0: I think there was definitely this like moment in my life where my grandmother passed away and I had spent every summer with her. She was just like this incredible, I'm I'm sure everyone thinks their grandmother is an incredible woman, but like (laughs) I think mine was really so extraordinary and that she was just so generous and she was so talented. And, you know, she grew up with nothing and she would make extraordinary out of the mundane. Like uh, there was never a boring day and everything deserved to be celebrated. And so When she passed away, very suddenly, she was still super young and super active. And it was just like such a moment in my life that was like a before and an after, because it was also the moment in your life where you like lose your favorite person who you know loves you the most in the world. We were so close. We spent so much time together. And I think like I was like a mini adult. I was always asking questions. She would answer all of them. She would take so much time with me. And and so Gia for me is... So much of it is inspired by the way she does things. I mean, she made so many aperitivos. She made so much food that had a lot of alcohol and a lot of sugar. So it's like, we've definitely updated the formulas. But everything (laughs) that we do, we do with this sort of like generosity and this idea that like, you don't need to have a birthday party to celebrate. It can just be 6pm and you can have a drink that's really good for yourself and honoring the ingredients and the season. And she always said, she lived in the South of France. She said, when you lived in the South, you have the same problem as when you don't, but you have the sun. And I always like, you know, when I moved to LA, I was like, Oh, I live in the sun now. <laughs> you know, I always have the I sun. Now. <laughs> so it's just like, I think uh, this coming home of like figuring out my career, what I wanted to do, but ultimately like, and this is why well. also I think it's like, it's so difficult to lead because it's not just a business. It has like my family's soul in it. It's an extension of you. Yeah. So it has to be right. And, and when I hear, you know, I met with a a potential marketing candidate yesterday who lives in Chicago, comes from a completely different background that I did. And she said that when Gia launched, like she really resonated with it and it reminded her of her childhood memories, which were not, you know, ever in Europe or whatnot. And I was like, Wow, the fact that this nostalgia is actually transferable and people can relate to it, that like, that's really magical
1: for me. I love that so much. And there's something so special about your brand. Like there are other Brands that are playing in this category. I'm excited to see that there's more coming into the space, but, and I want to get into the journey. But before we even get into it, I just want to have a moment of telling you that like you can feel I actually didn't know the story of your grandmother before I started doing research for this podcast, but I've been consuming your product for a very long time, like since probably like a few months after it launched. There is something really special and it does make sense to me that it has this familial tie that it has so much intention behind it because even if you don't know the story, there's something energetic about it that you feel. And now that you say it, it makes so much more sense to me. And by the way, I'm also that close with my grandmother. She just left back to Venezuela and like, she's literally my best friend too. So like, I understand you entirely, fully and completely. So, okay. I want to get into Gia. I want to understand, I kind of want to get a brief understanding of your career beforehand because you did work at some incredible places. I'm really curious, like, when you kept going to each one of them because they were all these like now household names, like what was it that would draw you to each one?
0: You know, I think the first one was joining Goldman Sachs, and that was a little bit strategic. It was it was like I I went to school during the financial crisis. I had very much like put like so much money into my education, at like, school in France is free. It was a huge risk for me coming from where you know I come from to be going to Brown and like when the crisis hit. It was like, no one was getting jobs. No one was getting visa sponsored. And I really wanted to stay. And I got this internship at Goldman Sachs. That was, it felt like completely God sent. And I also really looked up to like the rigor. You know, it's a path that a lot of my friends and friends took working in finance because it's like a very safe path. And I really wanted to build up, you know, that skill set. I was always also very analytical as much as I like, wasn't that interested in like math and, you know, quant like school came pretty easy to me and so it felt like a really natural like safe trajectory and this offered to sponsor my visa so I joined their analyst program for two years and then you know I was working in natural resources and really when I decided to leave I wanted to work in an industry that was a little bit more tangible when I moved to the U.S. like I started having just like horrible stomach pains I always had stomach pains kind of sensitive stomach, but I realized that there was something about the food system in America that was so different. And I had been really spoiled with really high quality food my entire childhood. And I was really interested in how to help America eat better. And I think that was really close to the mission for Dig and, and I randomly met with the CEO and he was really building the team. They only had six restaurants at a time. So it wasn't a household name yet, but it was kind of like my local eatery, if you will. We used to order Dig on seamless web I think it was the pine street location, which is one of the original ones, like the financial district one when I was at Goldman, which was 2011 12. And we had like a seamless web credits in the evening to get dinner. And we would order from dig in pretty much. So I joined the team over at Dig, and I, it's now called dig. And that was just like such an incredible experience. They really allowed me to, you know, cut my teeth and learn so much and work in marketing and then designing the restaurants, which I had always had such a keen interest in design and, it felt like after three years there, my job was kind of done. And I also randomly met someone at Glossier. The team was growing super quickly. And Glossier was like a more natural transition because it was at the time, it was just the hot brand in downtown New York that like, if you like brands, you loved Glossier. Like they were exploding. It was such a fun, you know, the aesthetic and the way that they were working with like community. And it just felt like very... Frenetic, but in a very positive way. And so when they offered me a job, I was like, I could not say no. I was so excited.
1: So I want to understand how you started refining your love of brand. Like, how did you know going from Goldman Sachs and then eventually Glossier, like, how do you identify that in yourself that you're like, oh, I, I can transition and I wanted to transition into the world of brand?
0: Well, it wasn't like so intentional. It really happened when I was at Dig In. But, you know, I always loved design and I would always like look, I don't know, I'm, I always loved like vintage objects and i always had like a very an aesthetic that was very much mine and like i never really liked trends when i was leaving american eagle outfitters i had applied to business school thinking like oh now would be a good time and then kind of like forgot about it and joined dig and like five days after i joined you know dig i got into harvard business school And I was like, oh shit, you know, I was like, do you, you can't say no to Harvard. And we started talking and it was when this fundraise was happening. I don't know if it was like five days, but it was like maybe two months. I don't don't remember. It was very early on. And then, you know, we sort of had this conversation, like I hadn't worked there so long, but the CEO was like, look, like you need to be making a decision of whether you stay or you go. I don't want to influence that, but if you want to stay and there's things you want to learn on the job, like I'm also happy to do that. Like you've contributed so far. And that's when I transitioned to becoming director of marketing there. And then I also took on the role of creative director because we were opening all these restaurants and I was like, I don't really like how this looks. I think maybe we should do this and that. And it was like slowly but surely. And, you know, people always ask me, like, how do you build this experience? How do you get these jobs? And I'm like, work at a startup because there's so much to do. It's really like there's a project. Who wants to grab it? And you'll be exposed to the most, you know, experience. It's the fastest way to grow and to learn is to like by doing, at least for me. And so, you know, it was just like I was exposed to so many things. I wasn't, like, getting promoted. Like, we were a super small team. It was literally just, like, there's this project, like, do you want to try? And, uh, yeah, for sure. We were moving super fast.
1: Do you ever think back on going to Harvard? Like, now that you've had so much hands-on experience and know that you're a learner, that, like, you learn by doing, do you think that it's something that is beneficial
0: in hindsight? I mean, so I had a little bit of like a homecoming moment a few months ago because one of the finance classes wrote a case study on GIA, and they actually invited me to speak oh. there, which was just so crazy. And it was also like it's so funny because when I got into Harvard, like my parents got like Harvard mom and Harvard dad sweatshirts, and then they were like, "We bought this for nothing." Stop.
1: <laughs> and, they again so in twenty
0: twenty two. I know, I was like, you can wear your sweatshirt. I was a guest, you know, at Harvard Finance today. And so that was, you know, I was actually thinking that during the class. I was like, wow, this is such a cool way of learning. You get exposed to all of these like real life business problems. But ultimately, like, you know, getting an MBA from HBS was a luxury. It was so expensive. I was very lucky to be debt free. And I just didn't want to start that again. So I love school and I love learning. And I think that's really like one of the core... Of my being. And so I don't exclude someday going back to school. I don't think it will be an MBA, but I definitely think that in the next 10 years, I will probably, I would love to go to either culinary school or do an MFA in
1: sculpture. Sculpture. Interesting. (laughs) You are like a Renaissance person with so many interests. I can totally see the insatiable curiosity. I also find it to be so interesting that I've seen so many people speak at Harvard business that did not go to business school. It's like interesting to me that they are having these speakers come in that did not go their path and speak about their successful businesses. I think it's cool. I want to go back to what you touched on on your journey with food from living in in France to then coming to the US. Because I've heard on podcasts before that you've, that you've done a lot of research on the food system and what is the actual difference in what we're eating? I mean, I think anyone who's traveled abroad to Europe can experience. Like you talk about like, that you had this luxury of how you ate growing up. But to me, I'm like, that's not luxury. I think that that's our birthright is to eat that way. But we're not eating that way right now, which is our birthright.
0: Yeah. I mean, but I, I, you know, it was not like, I didn't grow up in a family that like could afford like luxurious food. I don't really have a lot of memories of even like going out to dinner. We cooked most of our meals at home, but I think just the quality of the food was so much better than whatever food you bought in supermarkets, you know? I mean, we also grew up, there was a little farmer's market on the weekends or on Wednesdays and we would go and get food at the farmer's market and we would have, you know, we had chickens in my garden. And so we would get the eggs from the chickens for as long as they lived. And then, I don't know, I just feel like when I moved here, everything started to break down. You know, I was foggy and I always had these stomach pains. And I think that, you know, we're so a lot of people don't have access to healthy food in America. Like packaged food or fast food chains are the most approachable option. It's very hard to compete with like a dollar burger from McDonald's. But I'm also like, what could possibly be in a burger that costs $1? There's no way, you know, that is high quality meat. And we've really subsidized genetically modified wheat and grains. And it's all really detrimental. And by the way, like IBS like, is not. A root cause. It's a set of symptoms. And I also, you know, had IBS and then they were like, oh, you have Crohn's and you need to be on steroids. And I was like, no, 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 none of that. That's never happening. What else can I do? And I remember this gastroenterologist like made fun of me and they were like, oh, you're going to go like all natural and like eat like coconut water for like two months. And I remember thinking I need a new doctor, you know, and that was like an NYU doctor. And so I was like, yes. And I started seeing a functional medicine doctor and I did. elimination diet turned out I was very sensitive to dairy and it had, you know, it took like six months to feel better. And you sort of had to trust that you could do it on your own. But I was just like refusing to be put on steroids at that 25 years old. And now I can have everything. But I think also the way that we treat, you know, these symptoms is not healthy. And like, it's, it's also about knowing your body. And now I'm, you know, it's like, it's very hard because I work so much, but I'm really careful about what I eat. And I don't really, and like, And I have, I eat everything. Like I love making pasta and I love all this stuff, but I really just avoid packaged food.
1: That's what I was going to ask you. Like given all the research that you've done and like knowing how your body takes the same food, like even if it's dairy in Europe versus having it in the U S do you notice a difference?
0: Yes. I think I just generally try to avoid dairy, but it's like summer in France and it's really hot like I'm going to have an ice cream, you know? So it's like, in general, I, I'm just not like, now that I know it's like, I don't put cheese on my salad every day. Like I used to, right. I also used to think that having a yogurt in the morning was really healthy. And it's like, well, when your lactose intolerant, it's not, you know? And so that was one of the things where it's like just defaulting to other things. But now I can have, you know, a little bit of everything in moderation. I would say, I think that the, quality you know unfortunately i think the quality is also going down in europe now it's just a reality of like seeing since i left and since i was growing up but in general like avoiding packaged foods and trying to you know eat as locally as possible and i also really believe like you vote with your dollars and so supporting farmers markets and supporting organic producers even if it's a little bit more expensive is you know i never buy organic like conventional I never buy vegetables that come in plastic just because like in principle, I just hate that. So I'll just take the time to cut my pineapple or my grapefruit or whatever it is. So that those are just like small things that are like my way of rebelling against the system. <laughs> and I'm sure that when I have kids, like I'll also
1: throw fits at the school food because that's like another <laughs> thing on my mind. Totally, totally, totally. All right, I'm going to be honest here. I cannot believe that I'm saying these words out loud. I can't believe that we're at this stage of active ingredient, but I'm going to say them. This episode is brought to you by Otherworld, which is, if you follow me on Instagram, you know my pancake obsession. I have been buying this brand Otherworld for a while now. I think that I've already like repurchased like six or seven times. I'm obsessed with this pancake brand. And for them to be one of our first sponsors is truly just so amazing. I really want to keep the show and integrity and really only share things with you guys that I am obsessed with. And this is one of those things. I've really posted about them a ton and I've shared it with you, my friends, my family, everyone, because I cannot believe that a better for you pancake that's plant-based tastes as good as this one. I'm like, there has to be a catch, but it really is great for you and healthy and not many calories and absolutely delicious. It's made out of zucchini and dates. I have only tried the original flavor and I cannot find myself to stray away from it because I am genuinely obsessed with that flavor. But a few of my friends have tried all the other flavors and they feel the same way that I feel about original about other flavors. So try whatever calls your way. I just, I can speak to the original, which I am absolutely obsessed with. Otherworld is giving our active ingredient listeners 15% off at checkout with code active, A-C-T-I-V-E on their website, eatotherworld.com, E A T O T H E R -R 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 W-O-R-L-D dot com. Code is active. Try it, you guys. Please tell me what you think because I am genuinely obsessed. I literally eat these pancakes on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, on a Saturday, on a Sunday, whenever. I'm obsessed. Let me know what you think. Use code active. Okay, so you spoke about the fact that you have chosen not to drink. And I know, I don't know if you use the word sober or if it's something that you just like to say, I just choose not to drink because it doesn't make me feel good. I've also been on this path. I have not been drinking that much, which is why Gia has been such an amazing product. It feels socially acceptable. It feels like I'm really, I am so grateful for you and for brands that are going into the space that exists for us that don't want to drink, not because there's any other problem other than the fact that it doesn't make us feel good. And like, I said this in the prep questions, but like, why is it? Like, why is it that the norm is to accept putting alcohol, which is, like when, when you feel hungover, it's because your body's literally trying to eliminate poison out of your system. So why is it that the normal is that and the person that doesn't choose to put poison in them is other and is the outcast? And how have you dealt with that? Because you chose this a long time ago. Like I chose this not, not so long ago for myself. How have you coped?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think that the reason why I started yeah, is because I wanted to break down the stigmas. I was so frustrated by them and i felt like they were so against like my person like i'm someone who as i said like i have a lot of energy i like love to bring people together i love to cook i was constantly hosting i was like people in new york don't know how to cook they don't know how to host no one has the space and i would always like say okay come by for dinner i'll make like a chicken or i'll make something really simple and suddenly we're like 20 people in my really minuscule like at my minuscule dining table and i was like still feeling really excluded because i wasn't drinking And it's because we've been conditioned to think that alcohol is the life of the party for decades, decades of, you know, marketing dollars, like alcohol is highly addictive. It doesn't matter if you're someone who deals with addiction or not, like it's a highly addictive substance and it sells really well. And so it's like a huge industry of many billions of dollars. And so it's like a lot of people profit from that. So I think that, you know, it's kind of interesting to see this change now where people are just like asking for better options. And, you know, the best way to see that alcohol is poison is like stop drinking for three months and then have one glass of tequila and see how you feel. You know, it's like you'll feel it immediately. Our bodies are so amazing that they can build up tolerance. But as someone who now doesn't drink on the regular, like if I have a martini, I'll get really loose. You know, I'll just be really drunk really quickly. And so it's kind of interesting because I think there's also all these stereotypes. And especially in America, actually, where it's like you need to to drink to cope which is I, I feel like alcohol at least in france and the environment that i grew up was like much more celebratory but we also just find any reason to celebrate like that was kind of the <laughs> home that i grew up in it would be like it's tuesday let's have a drink you know like also i, I just in my house in the summer like aperitivo was a twice a day thing there's the 11 30 a.m one and there's was like, like wow. my parents and grandparents drank at lunch which now feels so crazy to me but it was like an all the time thing there would be like pastis at five and then like aperitivo at six you know I just like grew up around it but it was always very cheerful and I find that here it's almost like a coping mechanism it's like there's all these stereotypes the one that is my number one enemy is the wine mom stereotype because I'm like I think that you would find it easier to be a mom if you didn't drink but a lot of women feel like because they're moms they have to drink and I'm like that's just so sad like you shouldn't be felt you you shouldn't be you know meant to feel this way and so that's really what we're going against. You know, I think like GIA yeah, has like been a wonderful outlet and it's so beautiful. But to me, the real success is that 85% of our customers identify as drinkers. They're not, you know, people who are sober with a capital S. They're not people who are pregnant necessarily, like overall, like our customers seeking moderation because they understand that this is not good for them, but they gravitate toward GIA because it's a joyful brand, and that's what I'm the most proud of.
1: You've grabbed it so perfectly. Like you have really just put the best of both worlds. Like I love Aperol Spritz season because of the joy of what that cup means. It means the start of the summer. It means excitement, celebration. And when you pour a Gia into a glass, you get that same sensation. I am curious though, because I genuinely am a consumer of Gia. And I find that the areas in which I have the hardest time choosing non-alcoholic options are in places like a restaurant or a bar or places that I'm out with other people that we're celebrating something. And it's so much harder to find those options. Like I have Guia here. There's a restaurant here in Coconut Grove that sells it and I'll go have it, but I have it like here. It's not like out there in the world. It is in some places. It is at this restaurant served, but like I seek it out. It's not like you go anywhere and there's gas Amigos. I know that you're still early on in the business, but like that has to be the biggest hurdle is being seen or being in that level of like playing with the casamigos of the world and being distributed at that level so that you can meet people where they are. Because if the option was there, I can guarantee you that more people would choose it. If you were there at the bar that I go out to in Wynwood, I would be buying it. But instead, I have to like bring my can or bring something that sometimes makes me feel more other because it's like, oh, there goes Sophie with like her woo-woo stuff. Yeah, no,
0: totally. Well, first of all, you've exactly figured out kind of like our main pinpoint here, which is we actually wanted to launch GIA in restaurants only because for me, it was like, oh, but the mission is not complete until people can actually go out with their friends and enjoy it there. And that's why, you know, all of our investors are like, why are you spending your time on restaurants? Like it doesn't bring that much revenue. And I'm like, yeah, but at the customer level, it's so important. And also like what we hear from the restaurants that have taken us on is like the drinks patronage is so strong because people like you or me will say like, who care about where they eat will say like, oh, why don't we go there? And that way you know that you can have a drink. And you know, by the way, like we're not price sensitive customers. Like you're going to end up
1: paying for everyone else's alcohol at the drink anyways. Can we talk about how annoying that is? Like being the friend who doesn't drink and I'm paying for literally everyone. It's so real, but
0: I'm, like that I'm just like over because I also prefer it to being like, I didn't drink and I just want to spend like $20 less. Like I just
1: don't want the attention. I know and it keeps happening but I'm like whatever if I if it means that I feel fine tomorrow then I paid for everyone's drink and it is what it is. What has been like the hurdle though? Have you tried to play within the distribution system of spirits or is it like in its own category so you can't be distributed by a huge spirits distributor? So
0: this is a very layered question but basically the short answer is we don't want to be with a huge spirits distributor because we would get lost like they you know they would focus on casamigos because that's like a much higher level of revenue for them so we're focusing right now we self-distribute and we're focusing on taking on smaller regional distributors and then to answer your question around liquor it's actually state by state because the three tier distribution system is not the same in every state. So for instance, in New York, we can't be sold in a liquor store, but in LA, we do really well in wine shops. So that's kind of like a multi-channel approach that's you know, targeted to the markets where we go. But we're online everywhere now, which is nice, everywhere in the US.
1: Oh, I really do love this brand you guys. Like For you listening, if you have not tried Gia, like I actually feel like a lot of my active ingredient listeners do try Gia, but if you haven't, like, please, please, please do yourself a favor. It is so freaking good. Okay, but I want to get more like clear on tools that we can give our listener on if they're the friend that does not like drinking or that does not like how they feel when they drink or they they just drink less or maybe they are completely just not drinking. What tools or advice or like stories do you have to share with them on how to be able to do it in a way that they can stop caring about what other people think? I think it just takes like the first time is awkward. The second time is awkward. And the third time you're just like, I can do whatever I want.
0: Like I feel so much better in the morning. So it's just like trying it out. You know, I think it's for some people, they tell me it's harder when they're on vacation. And for some people, they tell me it's harder at like
1: weddings or, you know, bigger functions. And I think it's also... I brought my own to my friend's wedding. I literally brought my own to my friend's wedding. It's funny because we've actually been getting a lot
0: of requests for wedding with people wanting to have like a non-alcoholic cocktail. So we're starting to do that now, which is really fun.
1: Last week I was at my best friend's wedding and my partner went to Boisson, I think it's called, in Brooklyn, bought for me and took it to the bartender. And he was like, keep this for Sophie behind the bar."
0: And I've brought my idea places before as well, which is just like kind of a weird thing because I drink so much of it, but I don't seem to be getting sick of it. But I'm excited to see more options so that it becomes more of a category. I'm excited to see more high quality options because I think there's a lot of low quality options, unfortunately. And, you know, when this is more of a thing, because it's like, I understand if customers don't want to drink only Gia, like I'm biased, it's my child. I think it's the best one. But, you know, I, I it's very hard to create complex flavors without the booze that it will also be stable and not have preservative in them. So that's definitely a hurdle. But, you know, I think that we're... Down to see more better options come to the market soon, and we're also working on new flavors. So. How do you preserve? It's derivative of herbs, right? There's juices and there's extracts. Our cans have no preservative because we we pasteurize some of the ingredients that are the highest risk ingredients, and then keep some of the other ones. We do it at like different temperatures so that we really preserve the extracts. It's been a journey getting to that spritz, but as a result, it has none of it in it. We also have like some ingredients that are strong, you know, antibacterial extracts. So it actually our drink like preserves itself, but it's also finding the formula that is very balanced so that they don't interact with each other and the formula remains stable. And then in our bottle we have zero point zero three percent of potassium sorbate, which is actually like the cleanest preservative, and it's so little, but that's it's not so much for before you open because once it's sealed it's fine it's for after in case it gets contaminated and something grows in the bottle which now we know that it's very safe for four weeks even if you leave it on your counter and not in the fridge so we just wanted to be safe with people because it's a tall bottle and you know if people are going to be alternating between drinking and not drinking I didn't want people to feel the pressure to drink the whole bottle
1: in like a few days like I did in the beginning I did feel that pressure before I started buying the cans because now I buy the cans they have both for the listeners that don't know, they have both. Because people are like,
0: oh, the bottle is $33. It's expensive. And it's like, well, there are actually 10 to 12 servings in it. And you don't have to consume it immediately. So, and if you keep it in your fridge, it will last even longer. So I, it's like a more, I would say, like, you know, bio-friendly option maybe. And it's also more versatile for people who prefer slightly more sweet." they can mix it with ginger beer or they can mix it with like a flavored sparkling water or something like that. Like some people like to do one part gia, one part juice, one part sparkling water, like a grapefruit juice or something. Like just, I think it's I more like my, choose
1: your own adventure. An orange peel. Like sometimes I'll just get a nice glass with one of my big Negroni ice cubes, mm-hmm. Gia with an orange peel or guia with, uh, with a lime.
0: Yeah. I love the orange peel. I've actually been like, there's so many citrus in LA right now and people literally put them in boxes like outside their doors. And my neighbor has an enormous tree. And so she gave me all these oranges oh and I've been like slicing them and then just drying them in my oven overnight. So I have these big full slice of like dried orange. and just pop in, on top of my cocktail. It's so nice. <laughs> I love
1: it. Small things. First of all, I love like the way that you, you're just, I feel like you're like a tastemaker. Like you're just like, and not intentionally, it's very like organic. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like even that, just the fact that you're even paying attention that, that your neighbor has a box of oranges, you know, I am curious because I think that there is that, that misconception that if you're not drinking, you're boring and that you don't have this like glamorous, beautiful life or like this full life that people are like, oh, and they go to sleep at 7 PM. And that's just like a very, you know, sobering, lame life, but you're someone who travels and who I feel, I mean, I, I don't know what your like nightlife life is like but like I use entertain a lot like can you talk to us what a life is like how many years is it that you don't that you haven't been drinking that much maybe like
0: five or six now it's been a while to be honest like well I, I remember I think I was at Glossier so I, I left in 2018 yeah so it's been five years maybe six years I don't know
1: okay so what is life like for someone who is thriving like what what is your life like not drinking
0: Well, the way that I always explain it is like my life is the same, but before without knowing it, I was operating at 70% and now I operate at 100%. So like the main difference, like I think for me, what was the most difficult with drinking was, you know, I was also managing a team and I was always on flights like when I was working at Garcia because I was doing their retail I was either scouting a new location or visiting the LA store or whatever pop-up was currently open so I was you know taking probably two flights a week and then spending the other half of the week in New York and managing a team and so it's like you have to come to work early if you're going to do your own work and prep for the day before your team comes in and I was just like not really wanting to talk to people before 10 30 in the morning, you know, it's just like you're just a little bit foggy. And that was the one thing where and by the way, I was never a big drinker. Like I know that saying that like makes me sound like an alcoholic, but I was probably having one to two glasses of wine out at dinner two or three times a week, which I think is like not that much for someone who lives in No, in America it's definitely not
1: that much. Yeah. Right? It's
0: like maybe three three to five glasses a week, I would say like never really hard alcohol. I never really love that. If I was hosting at my house on like a Friday night, like you know, I used to live with my friend, he was in charge of the bar and he made really great Negroni. So that's obviously like a bit of a stronger drink. So I would have one Negroni or something like that, basically. So I, I was not a big drinker whatsoever, ever really. But now, you know, I wake up and like I have some I jump out of bed, you know. <laughs> like I have so much energy and I sleep so much better and I was always kind of a light sleeper. So even though there's still like progress be humane on that front, I think that's the main the main difference, but I definitely socialize a lot and I definitely, you know, I definitely like cook for a large table at least once a week. I also, now that I live in LA, I'm just like, I hike and I surf and I'm so outdoorsy and I do that all before work. So yeah, I I think also living here, it lends itself to going to bed early and waking up early, but you know, I have no problem going out and you know, I love concerts and I love dancing and you know, I definitely have a very active social life. So that's now that I'm very comfortable with not drinking, it's, I, I feel much better.
1: How do you deal with when you're out and everyone else is drunk around you and you're not? Because I, that's where I'm at right now. It's like at that wedding, I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, did I, mean, have, Negroni. I had a Negroni and I had a lot of non-alcoholic drinks. At first, when you stop drinking, you're like, you kind of wish that you had the
0: social lubricants that everybody had, like the yeah. first drink in your head when you get to a party or something. And then it's like, 2 a.m. You're like, oh, you're, you're so glad that you're not <laughs> on that level. But also, there's a part of it where it's just like by osmosis. I, th- I think you end up having fun no matter what because if everyone is like having a blast around you, like of course the energy is like light, you know. And and so there's a lot of like a lot of people say like, oh, if I'm having if I'm having a guía with my friends who are drinking, I feel like I'm drunk because like I often get the question like, are you sure there's nothing in this? And I'm like, I'm sure, like know hundred percent sure. I think that there's also a lot of like, it's very atmospheric. Like what you need is the ingredient is you. It's not the booze, the main ingredient in like this is you. And I think that's the message we're trying to convey.
1: I absolutely love it. Okay. So this podcast is for people who are eager to live in fulfillment and they're eager to live in a life that's in, in full alignment. It seems to me like right now you have discovered this within you. That seems like an extension of your family, of your soul, and you seem to be living in a life with alignment that you're surfing before work, you know, it seems great. What advice would you give to someone who wants that for themselves that doesn't necessarily know exactly how to go about it or how to follow the path to get them there?
0: Well, first of all, I think I would say like turn off your Instagram. Like this is like a nice summary of my life, but it's also like I've been working until midnight, like every day this week, you know, it's just like life is also really crazy for most people sometimes, and you don't see everything. I haven't surfed in two weeks, you know, for that reason. So I think that it's sometimes easy to feel like everybody else is, has it under control when you don't. But I think I really go by the mantra, like how you spend your days is how you spend your life. So it's really about finding these like small, joyful moments in every bit of what you do, whether it's like, you know, this week, like the whole team is in town. We're really doing like a big powwow and it's like I know there's like one day where I want to like cook for them you know and like I've already decided what I'm gonna make and I just want to take this moment where we're all together to like have a shared meal or it can be just I don't know like deciding to like meet a certain way or going on like a super quick 20 minute run before work or trying to like I know that when I don't move my body for instance like my mind also starts to go. And so it's like even finding like walking to work in the morning or finding these little bits or sitting in the sun, taking a walk meeting. You know, I think it's totally fine in these like post-COVID days to say like, I'm not turning my camera on because I really wanted to move my legs and walk for 30 minutes. Like people appreciate that. It doesn't really matter. So I think it's like about all of the small bits adding together. There's not like one miracle formula.
1: Out of everything that you're doing, what is the thing... It doesn't even have to be what you're doing, just in life. What is the thing that you feel is what makes you feel the most alive?
0: I don't know. There are many things, but I think, you know, I just like, I just love cooking for my friends. So I think it's like, I've been doing a lot of like Sunday lunches and it's like Sunday morning. I go to the markets, decide, you know, what's, see what's in season and what looks good. And then just have everyone come around like 1 PM and just linger through the afternoon. It's so nice. And it's really something that like makes me feel super happy to be home. It feels like home.
1: I love that so so much. What is next for Gia? Where can people find Gia right now other than on the website? Well, we have six hundred and fifty accounts. On the website, there's a stockist page uh-huh. so you can
0: see where it is near you, or you know, we ship everything really quickly. So you can also order on the website. If you haven't tried it yet, you can use Melanie fifteen for 15% off Yay. your first order. We're launching a new spritz flavor, which actually has lime in it. So that will happen before summer. And then we are launching a little starter pack very soon for people that want to try it, but maybe don't know whether they can commit to the full bottle or what spritz they would like. So we're just doing like a small bottle and like one of each so that people can try everything at like a lower price point. So because we understand that like things get expensive in nowadays. And then we are also have like a surprise product that's coming in May.
1: That's so exciting. I'm so impressed. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for you to create this product to make it easier for people that want to choose this for themselves in their life. And I'm excited to see what you guys do next. I really am. I am genuinely grateful. Like I really, really am. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of the episode. You have no idea how much it means to me and I really do hope that you left this conversation feeling lighter, more in tune and with some tools to apply to your own life. Please feel free to reach out to me via DM on Instagram. I would absolutely love that, which I have linked in the show notes on any feedback or guests that you wanna have on. And if you do have a second, I would really appreciate you giving the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts and a quick review. It really helps getting the podcast in front of more people like you. See you next week.